Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. This is the year to stop overpaying for your family plan. So choose a straight talk wireless family plan. Unlimited data, talk, and text on a reliable 5G network. And you can get a new line starting at $25 per line per month for four lines, plus taxes and fees and no contracts. That's good decision making. Available at Walmart and on straighttalk.com. Family plan discount with four lines, all on the silver unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. In times of traffic, your data may be temporarily slower than other traffic. Video streams at up to 480p. Canva is awesome for so many reasons, for your social media, but for work. If you're looking for ways to impact at work, Canva can help your points get across. All right, Mike, do you, what do we use it for? Like one sheets, if we're doing like a presentation, graphics. Oh, it's awesome for graphics. Super easy to use. And that's the thing too, especially with some of these apps, you think, well, there's no way I'll be able to use it. Well, me, because I'm a dummy. But even I can use Canva to make things look cool, right? Yeah. Well, you don't have to insult me and say yeah so quickly. Yeah, you can do it. Yes. It's awesome. So it's easy design, impactful Canva presentations, docs, whiteboards, videos. Start with a designer-made template, which makes it so easy, especially for me. Customize with your content. You can add images and graphics and charts. Start designing today at Canva.com. Design for work. Morning, welcome to Monday show. Morning studio. Morning. Morning. All right, we're gonna go around the room as we do on Mondays and do a get to know question. So I'm gonna ask the question to give you guys a second to think about it. What is something you're really terrible at? Something you're really terrible at. I'll go first. My name's Bobby. I'm gonna go with and I would have said this even if I hadn't been approached about doing it, but Wheel of Fortune. I'm so bad at that game. It can be one letter and I'm still like ah. I don't know. Um, is it? I don't know. Please? No, it's cheese. God, <laughs> son of a gun. <laughs> that bad, huh? It's, I'm terrible at that with letters. And so, Will of Fortune, it would be the thing that I'm super weak at. Eddie, you? Math. Just math in general. And it's been tough, too, because my son, he's been doing pretty bad at math. And I've been railing him, like, dude, you got to get better at math. And you got to do better than this. And deep inside, I'm like, man, I mean, he probably got it from me. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be real. Lunchbox. Man, that's tough because I'm good at a lot of things. So I would say probably uh, beats, like rhythm. Oh, rhythm. Uh, oh, yeah, that's impossible for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, you're yeah. Real, you're real bad at rhythm. Yeah. I that's not everything at, you do at. I mean, <laughs> I like you're bad at rhythm, but he's bad at rhythm. Uh-huh. Yeah. So that wouldn't, I guess, does that count or do I have to Yeah, no, you're real bad at rhythm. Yeah. I'm bad yeah, at just rhythm. Just generally rhythm, yeah. yeah. Amy? Singing. I mean, you're okay. You're not too bad. Oh, I mean, you're on, not guys. so bad that we would be like, oh. That, you're not to sing what Lunchbox is to rhythm. Right. Like, that's bad. That's bad. Wow, thanks, guys. Yeah, you're welcome. Like, I you're mean, not a great singer, but you're not terrible. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean you ain't good. <laughs> I mean, so what you were looking for is to tell you you're not bad. That you so do you point. want us to, since you don't have an answer, do you want us to tell you what you're bad at? Yeah, driving. Driving. I, Staying focused. Uh-huh. Oh, that's good. Avoiding yeah, that's good. walls when you walk down the hall. Yeah, 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 yeah. Columbia, that's, that's, that's a good one. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to stop because I know what's going to happen is if I keep going. That's fine. What's yours? Scams. Besides, uh, avoiding scams. Was that your example? <laughs> oh, that's good. Or? That's good. Falling for scams. 
<laughs> I was stopping. Uh, that is right, though. Was Boy, Will of Fortune your example? Oh, yeah. Oh, so I got yours? another one. Can I no, go? no, it's my, that's my that's the thing I'm terrible at. It's Will of Fortune. Oh. What's yours? Oh, I can't say. Sing. Mine's also sing. Oh, I'm terrible at seeing. You know, can I can I do Amy's? No, no more. No, no more on her. <laughs> okay, I will say it then. Seeing, seeing. You know what I'm saying? Oh, seeing, yeah. seeing. <laughs> no, no, I don't know what you're gonna say, but you I know what he's gonna you say. You know what I'm saying? No, I don't. But I don't even want to guess what you're gonna say. <laughs> I have no idea what. You're no, no, it doesn't matter. Okay, one more. What would your warning label say if you had Ooh, to have a warning label on it? You going that quick? Yep. Yep. Go ahead. Feed this man, or he's about to get hangry. Okay, lunchbox. Uh, stay back six feet. Smell strong odor. <laughs> <laughs> Amy? I guess my, according to y'all, would be like, watch out. Yeah, yeah, when I'm driving. Just generally? <laughs> just to watch out? Hey, watch out. In all ways? Uh, um, do you have one, though? I, I mean, watch out applies to driving, walking, scams. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Watch out. No, no, scams are coming for you. They're not going to watch out. They're <laughs> yeah, like, hey, yeah. come get me. <laughs> Mine would be something like one of those objects in mirror, maybe closer than, it's like death perception does not exist. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he could yeah. hit you at any point. So yeah, mine would probably be vision impaired. Um, okay. Lunchbox, I don't want to hear yours about Amy. Can I please? I don't want it. I just don't want it. I could do one of those things where it's like I make fun of myself before somebody else does because I just figured out what he's going to say. Go but this it. is what you should have done is given one you're really terrible at because then they would have cut all of us off. But I off. did. No, you I said singing. At, but I am bad but you know at that singing. You know you're singing. not terrible at singing. I don't know. Y'all y'all. Like, me. I am terrible at singing. Yes, he's like, terrible at singing. Yes, I am terrible. Today's so. the day y'all tell me I'm not terrible at singing. We think you should pursue it, actually. <laughs> Okay, I'm not going to... Do you know what he's going to say? Yeah, I do. I figured it out. What? I'm not, I'm not, what do you think he's going to say? I am smart. No, I'm not going to say no, you're smart. No, that's not it, Amy. No, 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 no I'm not going to say you're not smart. It. I'm saying I, that's you're why I figured it out. You're terrible at being smart? I, no. Yeah, that wasn't it. You are I, smart, Amy. Yeah, you're I, smart. I wasn't going to say that. No, I'm working on using positive language. I was about to say... I'm not dumb, so that's how I figured out what Lunchboxes is, but I'm trying not to say the word dumb. So I said, I am smart. I'll figure it out. I figured it out. And so it's marriage. It? He's going to say marriage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what he's going to say. Oh, that's what he's going to say. What did you think he was going to say? I didn't know because that one's like so juvenile. That's like, it is. Ain't good was at marriage. It? No, Amy. Jeez. I don't know why you going to say that. <laughs> that was yes, it. it was. Yes, it was. He was going to say you're terrible at being mean. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah and you know what? Good job. <laughs> like, that's very nice of you. Wow. I don't know why you think I would go that but low. But if you want to go that low on yourself, Whoa. have at it. Okay, well. All right. We're here. Amy's taking shots at herself early. Yeah, so, saying, Amy. Very hard. Show, okay. Not like that. You know that's Let's what he was going to Time to open up the mailbag. You send an email and we read it on the air. It's something we call Bobby's Mailbag. Yeah. Hello, Bobby. I think I just busted my mom cheating on my dad. Oh, mm. oh, this no. is a mailbag? Oh, no. Hey, people send in all kinds of stuff. Dang. It's not like I was snooping, but my mom and I have phones that look identical. I heard what I thought was my phone buzz with a text message. I realized it was hers and it wasn't protected with the password. When I opened, I saw her text message screen with some rather disturbing and graphic messages from a dude named, we'll call him Jack. For the record, my dad's name is not Jack. Now I feel this massive burden on what to do with this information or if I should do anything. Do I talk with my mom about it? Do I tell dad what's up? Do I use the info to negotiate for a new car for me? <laughs> I'm kidding about the last one. Okay. <laughs> Good. What do you think about this? Signed, son of a cheater? Question mark. Hmm. Boy, mom and dad's different than friends. Than bro <sighs> I think you have to talk to your mom first. I don't run to your dad and go, ah, I caught mom cheating. I think you go to your mom and you clear up any confusion, if there is any, about what you saw and let her explain 
And if it's an explanation you're good with, then you'd be good with it. If it's an explanation you're not good with, then then you got to go to this stage, which you're at now. And so, but I think if you end up finding out that your mom is cheating on your dad and your dad doesn't know, you got to go tell your dad. But I think you have the conversation with the mom first to make sure that you're thinking the right thing. Sometimes we see a little nugget and we tell ourselves an entire story based on what that nugget is that we're not even translating or reading correctly. Just say inappropriate comments and stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Real graphic. Probably obvious. Jack. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know know how graphic they are. I'm just saying. Who knows? She could be subscribed to a tech service. Uh, Maybe. (laughs) Oh, role play. Uh, Maybe. We always go to role play. Maybe. Maybe. It's like the fourth time in, I don't know, a few weeks where Amy's yelled out role play. I, I'm. There could be an explanation. Yeah, could, okay. What uh, if the dad is Jack? Maybe. And it's a She's fan. Diane. They're <laughs> roles. I Get don't it. know. This happened to my friend um, like four years ago. Oh. And they went to, the, it was the dad though. And the siblings got together and went to the dad. And? And then the dad handled it. Like this kids didn't have to go to the mom. The dad owned up and handled it with the spouse. So I think two things that could happen. One, you could go talk to your mom about it. She's like, right. this isn't true. You're this wrong. Let, let me show you this. This is what's happening. That could happen. Or she goes, it is true. And I'll I'll tell them because I'm embarrassed and ashamed. Yeah, this happened to my cousins too. Oh, oh, oh my God. <laughs> they found an email and then took it to my aunt, which is their mom. And she was the one cheating. And yeah, they're not together anymore. Yeah, man. It's crazy. Anybody else wanted to? So, <laughs> so, like, yeah, this happened. So when my no, parents were married, oh, no. that's how, um, oh. they, so a card was found in the trash. A card? Like a card. It thought it was thrown out. Like a, like a thank you for <gasps> touching oh. me. The, oh, I, <laughs> I don't know what kind of card no, you mean. Maybe a credit I, card, I, a no, business like a, card. Yes, a, like a greeting like card. Like a Valentine's or something. Yes, I'm talking about. Like a, like a, why would you even have given, why would you, why would you be exchanging Valentine's cards with your- candy, remember? Listen, it was thrown away, but huh. then somebody found it. Why would you not shred it? And took it with your fingers. They're in love, man. Why would you even bring it in the house? Why would you even give somebody handwritten <laughs> hey. anything when you're valid questions? Wow, all valid all questions. Valid. But um, the person that found it took it to my mom. Oh, uh, wasn't was you? Like, no, it wasn't me. I was a kid. No, it was. Uh, yeah. What do you suggest, this lady that Amy? helps clean our house sometimes? The housekeeper. She turned on your dad. <laughs> wow. She loved my mom. Wow. Oh, that's crazy. This loved. has got so many layers. <laughs> she loved my mom. Okay, like, so like, what do you no, think here? cared about her deeply. What do you think? I think you go to the mom. Okay. You talk to the mom. What do you think? Yeah, man. Just like my cousins, just go to the mom and just see what, see what, the, what the thing's all about. Or, I mean, get a new car. <laughs> no, you got to get to the bottom of yeah, it. Yeah, don't this... run to the dad yet. No, 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 no. It'll no, get no. back to him. Ooh, lunchbox, what would you do? Anger chili, I wouldn't mess with it at all. He's I like, like I didn't see him. Let it live. This is your, these are your let, parents. I, I understand, and they're, they're parents. But they're it is business. your chili because it's your dad. Yeah, man. And he may be getting screwed over. Okay. Maybe anonymous email. Bobby's really good at anonymous email. A burner account. Yeah. Like, yes, hey, man, account. I saw your wife mm-hmm. out with Jack. Oof. Okay, we're sorry this has yeah. happened to you, son of a cheater. That's how you signed it. We're sorry it's happened to you. Ooh. Go oh. to your mom first. Let her explain, or let her handle it herself. And also. Um, Go to therapy. <laughs> You're going to need it. <laughs> no child should ever have to read messages uh, from... You did? You read messages? No, you saw the card, no, Amy? No. I'm just saying no child yeah, should have to... You, no, no, you, I you've, just, you've just oh, said three boy. things in a row that 
Okay. It doesn't matter. So one time I okay, saw on go. my dad's oh, <laughs> I saw a text on my dad's phone and I can't ever unsee it. My eyes. Is it a picture? No, it's oh. words. Oh. Oh, it's better. That's better than but a picture. Was, right. It was like describing stuff. It was all I was an adult. Like I wasn't when I was a kid. Obviously is, there's text messaging. It's dirty. There wasn't it's dirty. Listen. It's dirty. Also, <laughs> Why you keep gagging? <laughs> okay. Well, thank you. That's the mailbag. Close yeah. it up. We got your email and we read it on the air. Now it's time to close Bobby's mailbag. Yeah. This is the year to stop overpaying for your family plan. So choose a straight talk wireless family plan. Unlimited data, talk, and text on a reliable 5G network. And you can get a new line starting at $25 per line per month for four lines. Plus taxes and fees and no contracts. That's good decision making. Available at Walmart and on straighttalk.com. Family plan discount with four lines. All on the silver unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. In times of traffic, your data may be temporarily slower than other traffic. Video streams at up to 480p. We've all been there. You have a question about your credit card. You call the number for help and you can't get a hold of anyone. With 24-7, U.S.-based, live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person. Anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. A real person. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey, it's Bobby Bones. want to say thanks for everybody who has helped with St. Jude. I mean, you guys are changing lives. You guys are saving lives. St. Jude has been leading the way to the world's best survival rates for some of the most aggressive forms of cancer. And I'm talking about childhood cancer. Your support actually means that families never receive a bill from St. Jude for treatment or travel or housing or food. So the parents can focus on being a parent and helping their kid live. You know, I never had cancer, but I was in the hospital as a kid for a long time. And I just remember how difficult it was, how scary it was. And then I remember getting out and having to figure out how to pay the bill. I didn't have to pay them. You know, somebody did. But St. Jude eliminates a lot of that. You can help St. Jude stop childhood cancer by becoming a partner in hope. You'll get an awesome new This Shirt Saves Lives shirt. Join the doctors, the researchers. Hey, join me in this fight and visit musicgives.org. That's musicgives.org. It's a Bobby Bones Show interview. In case you didn't know. Man, Dashboard Confessional, one of my jams back in the early 2000s. So Chris is here from Dashboard, going on tour with Counting Crows, and you get tickets at dashboardconfessional.com. But this is super cool to me. Let me play some of these songs. Vindicated. Vindicated. I mean, that's Spider-Man for sure. Eddie, remember that song? <laughs> yeah, that- dude, of course. Dang, that song is awesome. Uh, Stolen. Jam, or hands down. So super cool for us. Here he is, Chris Caraba, lead singer, the guy from Dashboard Confessional. Go. On the Bobby Bones Show now. Chris Caraba of Dashboard Confessional. Chris, it's really good to see you. Good to meet you, man. And it's good to be here. Thank you. Been a fan for a long time. Well, I've been doing it a long time. It's suddenly occurring to me now. You still. I don't know, look, 24. It's weird. You haven't aged. Moisturizer. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> hey, so I have a lot of questions, especially about when you first started, because there are a few people to me. Uh, Dave Grohl, Foo Fighter, started that by himself. Um, Five for Fighting was a single guy, then turned into a band. Dashboard Confessional, 
similar thing, right? You started this as a project by yourself and then made a band. Panic of the Disco, similar? Is, is that all kind of, am I right on that story? You're right about the fact that it was uh, started by myself and eventually became a band. But I think in my, my mind in the early days, I know it was true. I was in other bands that were proper bands. Um, I was in one particular called Further Seems Forever that was, I thought, the main thing, you know? And it was only, uh, Dashboard was only a side project. But all that to say, the side project was, all of my friends are on tour in all of their bands. Wouldn't it be fun if whenever they came home, we could all play together? So I'll just call this thing that I'm doing by myself a, a band name so it doesn't feel like preclusive and it feels inclusive. My friends would come on stage if they're home. And that's a, not exactly what happened but it was the, my original conception for it. So you, the band is dead. Again, even, by the way, your record, your Unplugged record, is one of my favorite. I just loved it so much. And, but, you know, there's a lot to it. So how many people are actually in Dashboard Confessional? Like the Dashboard, how many people in the band? Well, on this tour. So yeah, it's, it's, it's all different, right? Yeah. It's just, you are the central figure always. Well, I guess I've been the constant and there's been a, uh, quite a few longstanding members and there's been people that when they, you know, they leave to go and do other, uh, and onto other musical projects or other life projects and then they come back. Um, it's kind of an open invitation to come on back. So like, for example, Scott, our bass player has been in the band, I think for, this will be 20 years. That's a long time, you know? But sometimes I go out by myself, so Scott's not there. So when you're starting this project and you're doing it by yourself, are you recording it on? Because everybody has a bedroom story or a garage story. Like, what does that actually, what literally does that mean? Are you recording on like some four-track player? Is that the first dashboard where you're just sitting there singing acoustically into a crappy closet or microphone? Yeah, it was, um, it was a little Tascam four-track um, that I bought at a tag sale. Um, that was what I started with. That's not what the record was, but it wasn't much better than that. Um, that first record was recorded in a closet, but you know it had, you know, foam padding on the wall, so it felt cool. It felt <laughs> real. Uh, but the early demos, I recorded a lot of them in my van, um, in the back of the van. I had like um, uh, just a single boombox, like not a multi-track. So the, I have a, a tape of me running through what would be the first record, which is called the Swiss Army Romance. I ran through it all just to see what a cool running order would be, and I found that tape, and it's the running order that we used. Was that about 2000, the year 2000? Yeah, it was 2000. So you have this tape, and was your expectation to go out and tour this for Dashboard to exist? Or again, was it just a fun thing that your friends could join? Like, I, What was kind of the motivation behind creating this music with just yourself? I guess it was a glorified art project or something. I think. Did you expect it to ever be heard by people? No, I expected to. What I'd hoped to do was um, put out the one recording, and maybe get lucky and press a thousand if I could afford it. And sell and, them how? And sell them to people, like from the van. From the van, yeah, and sell them to people at shows. And I had one tour booked, and it was, um, I think. This one window where Further Seems Forever wasn't going out, and it looked like just this neat opportunity to go out and travel, like, just by my, literally by myself. Uh, but I think it was 11 dates, and then I never went home. When did you start to feel traction, even the lightest bit of traction, where it's, wow, people actually, like, understanding and relating to this music? I was surprised to find it pretty early on. And I don't mean that there was many people at the show. There weren't. But if there were five, all five seemed to get it, whatever that thing was. They seemed to get it, and I, I was really shocked by it, by that. Because I thought I was doing something um, 
unfamiliar in the in the setting of like the punk rock scene it was definitely unfamiliar just to have an acoustic guitar and I looked like a, a hardcore kid, but it didn't sound like that kind of stuff. But it didn't sound like something you'd play in a coffee shop either. So I didn't feel like I, I would have any place where I would find um, – I was surprised to find like, like-minded like people so quickly. The term emo is tossed around like crazy. Everything's emo in different ways. Was that term prevalent when you started to create this kind of music? Or do you feel like you were one of the first ones to you know, really coin that in music? Well, I, I guess – no, I didn't feel like I was one of the first ones, excuse me, to um, to coin it. Certainly not. I thought it was, in, I thought it was a misnomer almost. Like, and not, you know, that became a four-letter word later to some people. I'm not sure it ever did to me. But in the early days, you know, it it, it was. I thought it was. I thought it wasn't deferential to the people that I listened to that did that music that was already called emo because there's been a whole wave of it. Um, a proper wave of, of like a musical generation of like two to five years already. And um, so at first I was like, this is weird that they would call me that. And I couldn't quite figure it out, but uh, realized that the thing was evolving. Whatever that scene was, was evolving to include, I guess, me and my friends. Did you feel like that? Because again, your music was at a time when I was, you know, 19, 20, 21 years old. So that music was very important in my overall musical growth from where I was as a kid to now. It was right in that time frame of being in college. Did you find that your music, though, was different to people, even though it was still kind of punk rock, but just because it was on acoustic, that made it feel a bit emo to people? That was a softer oh, yeah. feel? Oh, it's emo. It feels emo. I mean, but I guess because of all those obvious reasons that it's softer, it's a different delivery, it's pretty passionate, and it's got the... Um, it has the benefit of... Uh, the kind of passion you'll put into something when you think you're anonymous almost, you know, I could, couldn't conceive that people would really be listening to this. So I didn't really hold back for fear of how I might feel doing it in front of people. What did your so, band think as you started to pop off and you're by yourself that you were in? Was that tricky? Um, no, actually. Well, it became trickier later when we were two bands operating at the same time, once they had a different singer. And we navigated that really well too, I, to their credit. But in the beginning, they were the guys that were like, "You got to go do this." And as a matter of fact, one of the first shows I ever had was that was a, a fish, not I guess unofficially a dashboard show, uh, was because the bass player of my other band, Chad from Further Seems Forever, said, "Come over here. We're playing a festival." Further was he says, "There's a guy kind of doing what you're doing. We should go check it out." But the guy ended up being me. It was a ruse. He he, he just threw me up in the middle of a tent. <laughs> And there was, you know, 30 people there. And <laughs> that's funny. And that's supportive even. Like it's Very funny supportive. and supportive at the Very same supportive. time. And they're still my best friends that I have. So uh, I'm grateful that they saw where I was going and it wasn't where they wanted to go. They were, these, all these songs were presented to them as options for, for us to play in that band. And they, they were right. They didn't fit that band. They were close, but they, they weren't on the money. Were you reluctant when success and fame started? I was confused. Reluctant, yeah. I think I was a bit reluctant. I think I remain a bit reluctant. Um, it wasn't exactly uh, the plan, but um, it was a lot of fun. Do you get nervous stage fright at all before shows? Yeah, I got it now. How am I doing? Oh, you're doing great. I would, <laughs> never, I would never think you were nervous at all. You, yeah. You're kidding now. No, I'm not. No, no. I, get, I have a weird roiling of energy that I'm, I'm trying to contain when I go up there. And when, when I was newer and younger and greener, 
I would find it to be alarming. It would like set off almost a panic attack. But now I understand it's just adrenaline and excitement and and kind of like the love of it. But for a while, it was hard to to uh, let wow. to let it go. Was there ever a time that you questioned, should I keep doing this? Not because it wasn't working, but because it really started to work. Yeah, things got a little hairy there, like where we had to. Um, where we had to have like security guys and things like that. And I was all thinking, and I thought this was a really inclusive scene I was from. And it remained so. It wasn't, any, it wasn't people trying to like, uh, you know, rip my clothes off or our clothes off or anything like that. But it's just like we, a lot of people with a lot of stories that they wanted to, or things they wanted to share with us, personal things, what have you. And I remember like not being able to go, I don't know, to the, to the mall or whatever it was that you would do. You know, running errands became this weird thing. And, um, and the suggestion was made to, that we that we take security. That was the weirdest thing ever. The nicest people I've ever met were these giant security guys, um, but it was it was not a good fit for me. I was like, this is bringing more attention. I can put a baseball cap on. <laughs> How about that? Now, can you go out and put a hat on and just live a somewhat normal life? Yeah, I'm not on MTV anymore. Um, and neither is MTV actually. And I don't think. Yeah, they I are don't think you know. There's two. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. That's. Um, I've been able to find a, uh, the thing I'd hoped for in the beginning, which was this this path to be able to play music for and with people without having to be have my life totally disrupted. What was the first video of yours that was on MTV? What was it? It was Screaming Infidelities. Yeah. Was that weird for you to see? And there's a you know there's a line, and you're, we'll talk about the tour you're doing with Counting Crows, but mass, I'm a massive fan of Counting Crows, and Adam Duritz was in. We talked with him for a while. And, but there's a line even in Mr. Jones. It's like when I look at the television, I want to see me staring right back at me. You know that line is him wanting to see him on TV. Yeah. If that is that line, you at all? No, it's not at all. Um, it's not at all. God, I wish it was. I, I might have I might have had a different experience having seen it. But I remember being like, I mean, I was excited to tell like my friends, you know. Um, but it was not a thing I walked in with. I, I got used to it really quick, though. Like, I'd get excited and I'd kind of, like, uh, think about new video ideas. I got excited about the whole, that whole corner of what music could be. And it became really fun. Do you think you would be happier or would have been then happier if you only had mild success where you could support yourself, create your art, but not? Because there was a point when you just became so popular, it became pop. Your music didn't change, but you became so popular, it became pop. Was that the hardest time for you? Or was it awesome? It was awesome. It was so great. I didn't really have to change. I did, ch- you know, we grew and we, our music did evolve, but it, it wasn't being made to change. And more and more people were, were uh, gravitating to, towards it. It was beautiful. I was, uh, I was maybe a little tired, like physically tired. It was, it's a big world to get to, you know. Um, and I think there was a point where we were really doing I don't know how many shows it was, but it was like 300 days out on the road. And that was a long stretch. That was a good couple or three years that we did that kind of schedule. Um, That was the only part that was really tough to grapple with. Was it weirder to be home than on the road? Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Maybe always will be and maybe always was. So so, uh, that... That's something I think was probably good for me in my life. Where did you grow up? Well, I kind of grew up in Connecticut and then Florida. Um, and, and 
found music and all that once I moved to Florida. And what about Florida? Like, were you exposed to a scene there that opened it up for you? Or were you already searching for it? And I don't know, it's warmer, so you're out. I don't know. Why Florida? Well, I think there was, there was a scene. There was a music scene. Of course, there was one in Connecticut where I lived. I just didn't know about it. I was a little bit too young, didn't know an older kid on the block that might tell me there was a Youth of Today show or something. But um, when I got down to Florida, a couple things happened. Was, uh, I was really into skateboarding. And this is pre, you know, super popularity of skateboarding. You still get beat up for having to, for looking like you do it. And, but I found other people like that, that, that were into it. And I hadn't really found that many people like that where I'd grown up in Connecticut, but it also rains like it's torrential rain in the, in the afternoons there a certain time of the year. So we would just like sit in a car or at the skate shop with, um, with music playing and I'd pick everybody's brains about it. And then they said, you know, there's, they're playing here, whoever it was, you know, we started going to shows. And um, so it was sort of that just typical youth culture thing there, a friend with a driver's license, that kind of thing. Well, like I said, my driver's license, I just didn't have a car. So friend with a car and, um, and the kind of, kind of meshing of those two worlds, the surf and skate world with the music world, they're, they're really entwined. And that's how I found the music scene really. My assumption is, could be an unfair assumption, that you may have been a shy kid. If you were a shy kid, how in the world did you become a front man? Um, wow. Like, what was that pro? It was not my favorite thing. It was, I should say, it was not my, it was not an endeavor I, I went into looking for how to be a front man. I just wanted to play with people. So I guess kicking and screaming is how I got dragged into being a front man, to be quite honest with you. I, I was really, really interested in writing songs. It's just an okay guitar player, just an okay singer. I was pretty good at at arranging music. So so I was getting in these bands and and help, and felt like I was in, in, integral in the band, but I was almost always just playing guitar. That's what I really wanted to do. But I wasn't like a ripper or anything like that. So I, I thought with contributing as a songwriter, I, I had a place. Then who goes, okay, Chris, we need you to sing. We've heard you sing like uh, background vocals. Or That's just how sing. it happens. Yeah. Some uh, that part's... Uh, could you somebody do a harmony there and I just do it and it was there, you know? And uh, and I, then you come in with your songs and you're singing. I was singing the songs I was writing to the singer, to the rest of the band. And finally somebody got annoyed with the time it took to make somebody else do it. Just you do it. Fine. Um, and after a while of that, you become a singer in the band, not the singer. This band that I was in, Vacant Andes, um, it's where I learned to cut, where I really cut my teeth on all things musical, certainly on all things band, like how to be in a band. But there was at one point three singers, and then there was for the length of the, the band, there was two singers. So it, there was no front man. It was, we were trading off songs and we were always singing each other's songs, singing on each other's songs, excuse me. It was later when, when I got into further and those guitar players are like bananas. And as writers, they were bananas. And I was kind of like, why do they want me in this band? And it was simply because they liked my voice, which was weird because it was never the thing I expected anybody to. I thought it was just something that I got to do, not that something anybody would want me to do necessarily. So that's kind of how it came to pass that I got comfortable being at the center of things. You didn't demand, like I always demanded attention. Like I demand attention. I'm a type A personality. I want to be in the front. Now you were the opposite. I was the opposite by... Okay, I think the opposite thing might have been a little bit of like a learned response, right? Because I, I, I was a shorter kid. I have this weird birthmark where my hair grows two colors. So I, like it's like 
it's a blonde right in the middle, like, and I was kid of the 80s, so like Gremlins is out. So I'm getting like called Stripe and all this stuff and beat up for it or whatever, picked on for it. And I realized like, okay, I better figure out how to blend. And, um, and maybe that, that, that was, uh, I learned that lesson too deeply. But once I realized I could be more who I wanted to be out in the middle of that stage, I would save it all for then and really just be the guy and, and have it be the key that turns you into the whatever it is, the real you. I've heard it said, you know, oh, who are you up there? It's like, I don't even know you or whatever. It's like, no, that's kind of like, I feel like that's me up there. So you start this project in 2000. Would you say that Vindicated is the song that people would know most? General Public. You think Vindicated is your biggest song? General Public? Yeah, God, it's got to be, right? Um, I, if, I would think so, only, but I'm a little too close to it. If only because it's in a Marvel movie. You yes. know? It's, um, it's got to be the most... I don't know whether... like I never remember like charts and things like that and what songs were successful by certain metrics. But just that the most people had to have heard it in the world from that from that. Man, such a jam. Man, you know? You have your connection. guitar. Could you give us a little bit of indicated? Yeah. All right. Um Awesome. That's still so. Wow. I mean, it also takes me back. There are certain songs that you hear, and again, that was a really big. It's like when you're like a young adult, and music matters so much to you. And like I can remember where I was, like when I would hear that song, and I remember being in the movie. That was the Kirsten Dunst version, right? On yeah, Spider Man. Oh, yeah. Did you ever? Did you meet them? I did, but don't they usually call the Toby Maguire version? But yes, I'm, I back you on that one. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I guess I think that was the Kirsten Dunst version. That's funny. Uh, yes, the to- yes that. Did you write that song for the movie? Because we talked with Adam Duritz from County Crows about the, sh- the song that went into Shrek, and he wrote that for the movie. Yeah. Did you write that for the not movie? Exactly, or did you have not it? exactly. Actually, Adam and I were just talking about that, about Accidentally in Love the other day, and it got me thinking. You know, I, I submitted a different song uh, to the production when, when, they, when they asked me about being a part of the, the soundtrack, and it was not meant to be the single. It wasn't meant to be in the movie. Um, and I really like the song. It still hasn't come out. Um, but and then they, but the cool thing was they let me see the movie while it was sort of still like it wasn't quite dailies, but it was like the this, the graphics weren't rendered yet. It would be suddenly just be like in animation in the middle of a like a, a holding place for like something to come later. It was really a neat way to see the movie, and it was the story of it was really in my mind as I left there. They're just like sort of like the the, the conflict um, of wanting being pulled in different directions wanting things you can't can't quite allow yourself to have or aren't allowed to have and i got to our our last date of that run was in hawaii and we were all going to go surfing and i picked up the guitar and it just like kind of spilled out and i was like you know it's funny where did that song come from and i was like oh well there's this line 
dangles on a string, maybe it's from Spider-Man. So just that bit of it made me call home and just be like, would you want to hear this other song? I know there's no time. And so just like that, it was written. Maybe an hour or two later, I called. I played it for Leah Volick over the phone. She was the head of Sony Music uh, for pictures. And, um, and she was like, give me a minute. Get me a tape of that. Send her a tape. She's like, could you? Actually, I think she made, she was like, could you demo that today? This is like pre like home studio kind of things like that. And we were able to do it at the club that we were playing that night. And um, they got that tape home and somehow the next, they were like, could you fly home tomorrow and record this? If so, it'll be in the movie. It'll be the single. Wow. Like, okay, well, yes, we'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> How big was MySpace in your career? It was so big. Oh, my God, it was so big. It was the biggest, possibly the biggest thing in my career except for Napster. Those were probably two biggest factors in my career. Will you explain, because I was big on MySpace, will you explain what MySpace is to some of our younger listeners? Well, it, <laughs> it was like a do-it-yourself Facebook um, that was run by renegades, I guess. It was this... It was a well, it's a social network. It's the first one I remember that you that, that uh, had the framework of what would really come in social networks. Like, really was very much like Facebook in a lot of ways. But the way it wasn't was it was seemed to be music and art related really heavily, and you could skin your own page, right? And you could uh, so everybody's user interface sort of looked like their thing. You know who you were going to see, and there was. Um, I think the reason it got so big was. Uh, was that people were really hungry to just communicate about the things they felt passionate about, and no adults were really looking. And was it they were using your music as their song? Because you could put a, you had a song. You put a song up as your as your song. Yeah. You put so your, people came to your page. It was like this is the kind of music I like. You're forced to listen to it. Yep. So is that what happened with your music? People just started sharing it, but in that way. Yeah. Like if you're gonna if we're gonna be friends, you got to know this about me. It's a big thing, big way to open the door, an easy way to open the door. Great shorthand and a. Um, and we really benefited from, from timing on that one that we were, uh, that we, for so many people, we were writing some, I was writing, I guess, something that they, that felt to them like a way to explain themselves. And MySpace was the way they, where they could do that. And then MySpace got all weird and you get viruses and, and then it just went away. Yeah. It was really, a, Napster too, but Napster kind of needed to go away mm -hmm. because it, when I was a kid, I would go, I can't believe these artists they want us to pay for this music. I was so offended. So mad, right? Yeah, I was like, I can't. I hate Metallica. I hate all. Th they were obviously right because you are creating an art and you deserve to, you know, be able to live your life based on the art that people are consuming. But at the time as a kid, oh, I was so mad. I was like, I deserve to have this free. And I download every song. I would just hit the letter D, for example. I download every artist started with D, including Dashboard Confession, all of it. So for you guys, again, Music being shared by like-minded people, I got to imagine that was massive for you guys for that brief period Napster was just killing okay. it. Look, I, I will have an unpopular opinion. I loved Napster. It made my career. Sure, it, it like took away the livelihood I might have had, but wouldn't have. So I can only speak to how it affected me. And it was, I, I had a record made, but no distribution. And the la later when I got on like a small label, they didn't really have that distribution. And then when we were popping off, the label that we were on next was having like a war with their distribution. And that whole time I could still get my music into people's hands. And I remember being like, well, we can't get, like I literally couldn't get my records from the distribution place when we, when we were at that stage where we like should physical, have been able to, could not physically get, them, yeah. get records. So I'd just be like, look, just 
Buy it later if you want to, but maybe get it now so we can sing along together. So, but where I do think that it did us a service societally, I guess, is a, a, a CDs were too expensive. They were artificially Agree. priced in such a way that was that was harmful to the consumer, I think. And so Napster, if if nothing else, was sort of the great equalizer. No, yeah, Madigan. but it took away a lot of people's paycheck. <laughs> right? I'm mad again. Yeah, no, Madigan. we want it free again. Yeah. I mean, you shouldn't have it free. A, you should have it reasonably priced. Uh, when I, I was looking at your catalog of songs, you know, Stolen was such a massive song for you as well. When you hit this stage of your career, when Stolen, I mean, you, you're, you're a monster by the time Stolen hits, as far as people coming to your shows. I mean, I don't know that there was ever, for me, a time to see Dashboard and just see it so large and everywhere you went. Was this, I don't know, what is, when I say Stolen in that song, where does that put you in your mind about that point? Well, I can tell you, I got to chill even with how quickly it took me back to think about it. You know, I, this, I lived in basically a beach town in a tourist town. And so like when the easy, end of the season would come, um, you'd kind of get your city back. You'd kind of get your town back. But also like everything you loved about uh, the exciting now of it all when season was happening and you're a young person and there's, you know, act, action, activity, girls, uh, new friends, all kinds of things that uh, – felt familiar to me as I was transitioning now into like another place professionally where it's like, okay, I wish I could go back there, but everything ends. And I had this kind of, I was conflating the two things, like the beautiful temporary nature of it all and how it's all fleeting. It's all transitional. And like, I just, it was kind of a nod to like, I think I need to acknowledge that I love love it both ways. I love it when everything's happening, and then I love it when it's really peaceful. And um, I always miss the other thing. Whichever place I'm in, I miss the other place. So, so grass is greener. It's more like remember that it really isn't greener. It's special in both places. So it's dead on both. The grass is a deader. Grass is dead <laughs> everywhere yeah, you the go. Grass is dead everywhere you There's go. no hope. <laughs> Would you mind playing a little bit of stolen for us? Sure. Season pull up its own stakes. Catch the last weekend of the last week before the gold and the glimmer have been replaced. Another sun-soaked season fades away. You have stolen. The melody, the... Do you write melody first, or are you a lyrics guy? I think it's concurrent most of the time. I think I do the sort of a babble as I'm singing and catch a word here and there, and then I'll spend some time in lyrics and then sing melody, lyrics, melody, lyrics. It's sort of hand in glove. How fast did that song come out of you? You know, I always think about this. You know, those, those songs that you wrench on and you really just really, really are nitty-gritty on the, on, the, on the minutia of it all that take weeks and months or whatever. By rights, those are the ones that should really connect with people, but it's the ones that take, you know, they come in a flash. They connect with people, and this was one of the latter. 
you, your band, Dashboard Confessional, Counting Crows, doing a whole lot of shows together, or 50 shows. How'd you guys come together to, you know, get on this tour? Oh, we've been talking about this tour for, for a really long time. So Adam and I have been close friends for, it's hard to believe, but like, uh, maybe it could be like 15 years or more, maybe 20, I don't know. Um, he's kind of been my favorite thing that's happened about my career, like people I've met, experiences I've had, they, they're sort of always connected right, right to him. And, and he's my lyrical hero, my musical hero too. So it's a beautiful kind of thing that is constantly surprising to me that we're, that, that like, I still listen to records like he's not that guy. Like he's this, not the guy I'm going to pal around with later. It's a whole different guy when I listen to music. So how did it come together? We've been trying to, we've been talking about it, trying to get schedules, trying to get albums to line up. And, and we're here. And it did. It worked. And it did. Yep. I, I feel like people need to be quiet at these shows. Well, Between Dashboard and Counting Crows, people just need to shut up and enjoy the show. <laughs> Would you agree? Well, I'm going to sing along to them, so no. <laughs> mm, see, Sorry. people are talking. I don't care if they sing along, oh, okay. but if they're talking. Yeah, yeah, enough talking. Yeah. If you're playing, because uh, I'm, again, massive Counting Crows fan too. Like, look, when he sits down at the piano. Oh, yeah. Hush. Yeah. Shut up. Yeah. Everybody. Shh. Yeah. This is it. We're ha- it's happening. Shh. Yes. Right yeah. now. Uh, Chris, I really appreciate you coming by, man. Um, we talked about the tour a little earlier, but I'm going to say it again. The Counting Crows and Dashboard Confessional, the Banshee Season Tour, you can get tickets at dashboardconfessional.com. It's over 50 dates, and it's all the hits. You play all the hits? Yeah, man. Well, I know what we're there. Sure. Sometimes people are like, I don't And you're going to hear all cuts. You're going to hear all the hits. Chris, big fan. Thank you so much for coming by. We really appreciate it. There he is. Chris, Dashboard Confessional. This is the year to stop overpaying for your family plan. So choose a straight talk wireless family plan. Unlimited data, talk, and text on a reliable 5G network. And you can get a new line starting at $25 per line per month for four lines, plus taxes and fees and no contracts. That's good decision making. Available at Walmart and on straighttalk.com. Family plan discount with four lines, all on the silver unlimited plan not combinable with auto pay discount in times of traffic your data may be temporarily slower than other traffic video streams at up to 480p we've all been there you have a question about your credit card you call the number for help and you can't get a hold of anyone with 24 7 u.s based live customer service from discover everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night yeah you heard that right a real person get the customer service you deserve with discover Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey, it's Bobby Bones. I want to say thanks for everybody who has helped with St. Jude. I mean, you guys are changing lives. You guys are saving lives. St. Jude has been leading the way to the world's best survival rates for some of the most aggressive forms of cancer. And I'm talking about childhood cancer. Your support actually means that families never receive a bill from St. Jude for treatment or travel or housing or food. So the parents can focus on uh, being a parent and helping their kid live. You know, I never had cancer, but I was in the hospital as a kid for a long time. And I just remember how difficult it was, how scary it was. And then I remember getting out and having to figure out how to pay the bill. I didn't have to pay it, but you know, somebody did. But St. Jude eliminates a lot of that. You can help St. Jude stop childhood cancer by becoming a partner in hope. You'll get an awesome new This Shirt Saves Lives shirt. Join the doctors, the researchers. Hey, join me in this fight and visit musicgives.org. That's musicgives.org. It's time for the good news. With producer Eddie. Tell me something good. 
Ray Stanton was living in Washington, D.C. a few years ago when he was working as a garbage man. He worked for a trash place and his coworkers were like, dude, you're so smart. You should go to college. He's like, I never really thought about going to college. And they said, dude, we'll help you. So his coworkers got online, helped him get the application. He enrolled into the University of Maryland, got accepted. Then he graduated from there in 2018. He said, hey, why stop there? Let's go to law school. So he applies for law school at Harvard. And when he gets his acceptance letter, he shoots a video of it, puts it on social media. This is crazy. Tyler Perry, the filmmaker, sees the video and says, whoa, this guy got accepted to Harvard. I'll pay for his school. What? So he goes to Harvard, gets his law degree. He's graduated now. He works at a law firm in New York City, and he's raised over $70,000 to give back to Harvard janitors. I mean, this guy is amazing. Here he is talking about it. In my life was just based off of me being a community-oriented individual, and I got that from my dad. My dad was like, just because you're going through something doesn't mean that's an excuse not to help somebody if you can. So this is like, eight. tell me something good's in one. This probably goes up <laughs> yeah. into the Hall of Fame right, of sweet. tell me something good because his workers are like, dude, you got to go to college. And then they did some of the legwork to get that going. And so he goes to the University of Maryland, gets accepted, finishes there. There's your, fir- there's your first two. That's huge. The workers, and then graduate. Look at this guy. Did he graduated? Okay, cool. Goes to Harvard. Goes to law school. That's three. But but he doesn't pay for it. Tyler Perry. Then Tyler Perry jumps in. <laughs> That's four. And now he has donated back to other janitors at Harvard. At Harvard. That's five. That's This is uh, Tell Me Something Good Hall of Fame. Isn't that so cool? And now he works as a lawyer in New York. How you like Unbelievable. Them apples, huh? Hey. How you like them apples? You like apples. Yeah, how you like them apples? <laughs> I feel like this could be a movie. Tyler I mean, Perry it's should like, jump on it. It's almost like Goodwill Hunting. I'm sure if he thought so, he'd be on it. Maybe he is. Yeah. Oh. And he's like, I think Tyler Perry should jump on it. <laughs> like he, he's listening now. He's like, you know what? I never thought about that. All right. Thank you, Eddie. That's what it's all about. That was Tell Me Something Good. These are internet riddles for kids. We Googled it. But it's a game we play called Riddle Me This. I'll read you the riddle. After the second time I read the riddle, you have 15 seconds to give me the answer. Amy, ready? Ready. Riddle me this. I am full of holes, but can still hold water. I am full of holes, but I can still hold water. What am I? Sponge. Correct. Lunchbox. Yep. What goes up? But never comes down. What goes up and never comes down? Your age. Correct. Oh. Eddie, what's always coming but never arrives? Well, you got a hard one to start. These oh, two get like, the generic. But what's always coming but never arrives? Riddle me this. <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> I can't. I don't know. You it's always hit? coming, but never arrives. <laughs> nah, I'd rather not say it, man. No. <laughs> the, the answer is tomorrow. Okay. All right, we're down to two. That was quick. All right. <laughs> Amy, what two things can you never eat for breakfast? Lunch and dinner. Correct. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Jumping wow. out there quick. Lunchbox, what has a neck? But no head. What has a neck? But no head. Don't do it. (laughs) What has a neck? But no head. What has a neck? I'd rather. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Be safe, man. What has a (laughs) neck? Think of the FCC, buddy. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to keep my job, guys. What has a (laughs) neck? 
这一次，真，喂，仲有张，我咪俾阿叔。哎，你知唔知？哎，你知唔知？哎，你知唔知？哎，你知唔知？哎，你知唔知？哎，你知唔知？哎，你知唔知？哎，你知唔知？哎，你知唔知？哎，你知唔知？哎，你知唔知？哎，你知唔知？哎，你知唔知？哎，你知唔知？哎，你知唔知？哎，你知唔知？哎，你知唔知？哎，你知唔知？哎，你知唔知？哎，你知唔知？哎，你知唔知？哎，你知唔知？哎，你知唔知？哎，你知唔知？哎，你知唔知？哎，你 Into the Red Sea. What does it become? What? If you drop a yellow hat into oh yeah, I mean, what? Correct. Yeah. I was gonna say lost. Okay. <laughs> I'm light as a feather, yet the strongest person can't hold me for five minutes. What am I? I'm light as a feather, yet the strongest person can't hold me for five minutes. What am I? Riddle me this. Your breath. Correct. What? <laughs> That's crazy. How did you get that? That just came to he me. He was even doing like curls with his arms. <laughs> I, 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 I was trying to think about it. I was wow, like wow, going, wow. what? And... Okay. What has hands and a face but can't hold anything or a smile? Oh, thank goodness. Clock. Yeah, good. Riddle me this. Yeah, you're okay to say that one, man. Yeah. What is yours but mostly is used by others, Amy? What is yours? But is mostly used by others. Name. Good. Wow. Lunchbox. What has a ring but no finger? What has a ring but no finger? Phone. Telephone or doorbell would have been taken too.、Oh, yeah. Saturn. Okay, Saturn. <laughs> Would Saturn count? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just asking. I am always running, but I never get tired or hot. What am I, Lunchbox? Eddie, this would be yours. Oh, it's mine. It's mine. Oh, it is. Oh, did he get the ring one? Yeah, he got. Oh, the Amy、ring. just jumped in and made me think it was her. Yeah, got yeah. it. Can you repeat the question, Bob? Yeah, sorry about that.、I、really, put you in the wrong direction there, buddy. I'm always running, but I never get tired or hot. What am I? Oh, Eddie, I don't know if I'd say it. Yeah, I got it. I got it. Go ahead.、Uh, the time. So I was、Ooh. running. The clocks. So I was running. <laughs> the、no. TikTok. <laughs> running. The refrigerator. God. Sorry. Oh man. Amy, I have keys but no locks. I have space but no room. You can enter, but you can't go outside. What am I? I have keys but no locks. I have space but no room. You can enter, but you can't go outside. What am I? Keys can't go outside. Keys. Keys. Space but no room. You can enter, but you can't go. I don't piano. Oh, wrong!、Mm. Oh, you're so close. So close. Keyboard, as in a typing keyboard. Enter、oh, space, yeah. but no locks. Space, space bar, but、Got、no、it. room.、Keyboard. Lunchbox、Damn. for the win, and we'll go to a sudden death. If- Whoa! Let's go. What、oh, has wheels and flies, but it's not an airplane? Say it again. What has wheels and flies, but not an airplane? What has wheels and flies, but it is not an airplane? Wheels that fly. What has wheels and flies, but not an airplane? Time. No. <laughs> See where you missed it was, and I tried to say it over and over again. You said wheels that flies. It has wheels and flies. Like actually flies, like wheels and flies. A garbage truck. Oh yeah.、Hey. See, both missed it. Sudden death for this one. Here we go. Oh man, I should have said trash. Hey,、again. buzz in when you get it. Yeah. 
What tire doesn't move when your car turns Lunchbox. Wide? Lunchbox. Spare tire. Correct. So Lunchbox wins that round. Now we're one sudden death away from the championship. Oh. Eddie, you're not in it. I'm okay. out. We both won one. All good. Okay. okay. Here we go. Sudden death. I have 13 hearts, but none of them beat. What am I? I have 13 hearts, but none of them beat. Lunchbox. Lunchbox. Deck of cards. Yeah. 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 Nice That's work. That is correct. That is how you do it. He's not wrong. Nice job, Lunchbox. And they stay there. And they stay there. Wow. After you gave me the inappropriate one, round one, I, I came didn't back. give you anything yeah, inappropriate. You, 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 you turned everything dirty. It I was came a back. Okay. And well, that's and 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 This is the year to stop overpaying for your family plan. So choose a straight talk wireless family plan. Unlimited data, talk, and text on a reliable 5G network. And you can get a new line starting at $25 per line per month for four lines, plus taxes and fees and no contracts. That's good decision making. Available at Walmart and on straighttalk.com. Family plan discount with four lines, all on the silver unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. In times of traffic, your data may be temporarily slower than other traffic. Video streams at up to 480p. We've all been there. You have a question about your credit card. You call the number for help and you can't get a hold of anyone. With 24-7, U.S.-based, live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person. Anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. A real person. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey, it's Amy here to talk about the incredible work being done by St. Jude Children's Research Hospital and ask you today to join me in becoming a partner in hope. When you make a donation to St. Jude, you're helping an organization that has helped push the overall childhood cancer survival rate from 20% to more than 80%. And I can tell you from personal experience, that number and the hope that it brings is invaluable. What they are doing at St. Jude is making a huge difference. It is full of joy there, which a lot of families need at that time. They don't need to be worrying about travel, lodging, food. Everything is paid for at St. Jude so that families can focus on their child that has cancer. Your support means families never receive a bill from St. Jude. It's only $19 a month. And when you sign up, you'll get the new This Shirt Saves Lives shirt. Join me in helping St. Jude in the fight against childhood cancer. Become a partner in hope at musicgives.org. That's musicgives.org. It's a Bobby Bones Show interview. In case you didn't know, we're going to hop over and talk to United States Marine Corps Corporal Aaron Mankin in just a second. He is in our Hyundai virtual green room. He is on with us from his place, his, his home. I'm going to tell you, he does not know that we're on with him to hopefully build him a home. We've done this six times before for different heroes that have served and have had catastrophic injury. Corporal Mankin has had 70 surgeries he has, and I'll let him tell the story about the IED that hit him, and he's got kids, and he's had burns and amputation and lung damage, serving us, serving this country. 
And so we have teamed up with Building Homes for Heroes to help veteran United States Marine Corps Corporal Aaron Mankin. We're going to build him a house. And he does not know that. So now we're going to connect him over so he doesn't hear that part. And he's <laughs> on now. And here he is. Go. On the Bobby Bones Show now. Marine Corporal Aaron Mankin. <laughs> Hello, Aaron. How's it going? Ah, it's going well. Thank you. Good to see you, my friend. Uh, Thanks for having me. First of all, from all of us, we appreciate your service, obviously. And I want to talk about why you joined, when you joined, and what happened to you specifically. And, you know, I always want to be sensitive when talking about what happened to you. So if I ask anything that's a little too much, let me know, okay? I appreciate that. Okay, cool. I'll tell you, I'm, I'm an open book. I'll talk about anything. I think it's a important for people to uh, not only hear my story, but the opportunity I've had to to educate people about my experience and what it's like to uh, to come home. So you enlisted what year and, and where'd you live? So I enlisted out of my hometown here in Rogers, Arkansas, back in 2003 at the onset of the war. And back then it wasn't a war. It was, you know, Operation Iraqi Freedom. We were going to liberate the nation. So uh, that resonated with me. That spoke with me a lot. The idea of uh, you know, the Bush doctor exporting democracy and going out and uh, helping the world in that way uh, really, really resonated with me. And I thought, you know, if I'm going to join the military, if, if this is what my generation is going to do, if this is my generation's war, what what can I do that that I that I do well so that I can be an asset uh, to my unit? And uh, I didn't want to just be another pair of boots in the sand. So uh, I took my skills as a as a photographer and a, a storyteller and uh, decided to become a combat correspondent. So I started my training and deployed to Iraq in 2005, spent my time in, in Fallujah and was there to, to tell the Marine Corps story. What does that mean, tell the Marine Corps story as someone that's in the Marine Corps? Are you telling it to people like us or are you telling it within? Uh, both, actually. So, you know, I had a camera in one hand, a rifle in the other, uh, and every Marine a rifleman. So, and, and especially having, you know, combat at the front of my my billet, my job uh, is to be expected. And so I would write for, I would write press releases for the general, for the base newspaper, but then those were also released online and back here in the States. And I did videography. I did uh, several reports that would come through the satellites out of Fallujah and then back to the States and wind up on the evening news. So, uh, you know, the Marine Corps story is very much in large part the American story. And so, uh, you know, just telling those those personal connections between the troops and, and, uh, and the home front. Did you find the fulfillment that you were searching for whenever you went in to the service, into the, the Marines? You had been there. It's, you did your training. You were serving. Did you feel like this is what I was meant for while you were doing it? I really did. I really thought that uh, not only was I in a place that um, that spoke to me, that fed me as, a, as an individual where I could lean on my skill set and be uh, valued within my unit and toward the mission. Uh, I did, I enjoyed it. Best job in the Marine Corps, hands down, best job. I mean, I loved it. I mean, everything that the Marine Corps had its hands in, I I had the opportunity to go and, and tell that story. So if we were doing training and awesome high speed, uh, you know, uh, helicopter operations or, you know, uh, mount training or, uh, or, or a celebrity would come on base to uh, entertain the troops. If that's where the story was, then that's where I would be uh, in order to tell it. So we had mentioned before you came on that you've undergone 70 surgeries throughout your recovery, but I do want to talk about what happened that has, well, made you have 70 surgeries. So what do you remember about the day it happened and kind of walk me through it? 
but I survived that blast. I walked away. Luckily, I, I don't know how I escaped it, Bobby, to tell you the, the God honest truth. I mean, it took the lives of six Marines. And uh, I walked away with no broken bones, no shrapnel, uh, really just a flesh wound. <laughs> um, I had to give my face and uh, my flesh and, and a few fingers, but uh, you know, I had my life and got to walk away from it. And uh, honestly, every day has been a blessing since. What so, was it? An IED that exploded? A lot of times when you know we we talk to you know people that have been injured in war, it, it's either an IED they didn't know they drove up on, or is that what happened with you? Yes. Yeah, we were uh, moving from one objective to the other, and uh, in our track. Uh, just happened to hit a, a stack mine that threw a 26-ton vehicle filled with Marines, chow, ammunition, threw us good 10 feet in the air. Boom, boom, came crashing back down. And We thought it was an ambush. We thought we were taking fire, but it turns out that the heat was so intense inside the vehicle, all of our ordnance started to cook off. So all of our grenades, our flares, our 50-cal ammo, everything started to cook off inside. It was chaos. When you say cook off, does that mean like like shoot off, like firework, like if a firework stand were to catch fire? But that's like it's like real, real stuff? Exactly. Oh, yeah. man. So what happens then as in what do you remember next? Are, are, are you, do you wake up in a hospital? So at that point, uh, I'm on fire inside the vehicle. Uh, I open my eyes. I... I can see flashes of orange and the, and the pitch black smoke. Uh, my first reaction was to just gasp, you know, just shocked. And I inhaled all this fire and debris. Uh, later, surgeons would dig out cardboard and glass uh, out of my lungs. Uh, and panic set in, and I thought, I got to get out. And by that time, one of our sergeants had muscled open the back hatch. And the smoke started to flood out. Daylight kind of trickled in, and I found my truck, and I just dove. And I just uh, jumped out of the track. I landed in the road. Uh, I stopped and looked at myself, and I was still on fire. And so I started to roll and roll and roll, and I couldn't, I couldn't put myself out. I just, uh, you know, exhausted myself trying to extinguish myself. And, uh, and I thought, this is it. And this peace came over me, and I thought, uh, this is how my story ends. And... You know, they say your whole life flashes before your eyes. Uh, ironically for me, Bobby, being a, a photographer, I just saw all these like pictures. I just saw all these little still frames of all the people in my life that meant the world to me. And as I was trying to hold on to them, uh, I woke up to the sound of my fellow Marines yelling, put him out, put him out. You know, they run over, they dive on top of me and they're, uh, you know, kicking dirt on top of me, trying to put the flames out. And, uh, and they do. And then it's like they just evaporate. It's like they just disappear and they all go to help other Marines. And I wasn't wounded from the waist down. So I stood up uh, and, uh, of course, in shock. And I thought, you know, I need to get to my camera. I need to get to my my mission. And so I started to walk back toward the track. Uh, and it was about then that our Navy corpsman uh, grabbed me by the collar and said, hey, you're hurt. You need to come with me. And that's really where the story of my recovery began. Uh, and I tell that story you know, uh, to different groups, um, around the country. And, and I'll, I'll point that, that part out specifically and how often we'll, we'll walk around in life and not know how truly wounded we are. It takes someone else to come up to us and extend their hand and their help and their aid. So, um, so he gets me, uh, to the casualty collection point and then they got to get me on the, uh, 
uh, on the chopper, right? Then it's like every war movie you've ever seen. Let's go get them on the chopper. Let's go, you know, and they load me up on the litter and they start running through uh, a field to, to load me up onto the helicopter to our air support. And sure enough, you know, Murphy's Law, things go wrong. And uh, uh, somebody fell over and I came tumbling out. Now I'm back on the ground. And we were so close to the bird, I thought, you know, I'll just walk. <laughs> So I start walking toward the bird and all the Marines start yelling at me. Hey, 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 lay down, lay down. You're in shock. We got you. Come on, you're in shock. I'm like, I'm shocked that you dropped me, right? <laughs> right? Get this Marine some morphine. So they got me out of the bird and got me out of there. They knocked me out. And then I woke up uh, about two days later in San Antonio. So you're in San Antonio and that's where they start to really work physically through your recovery. Uh, second and third degree burns to your arms and your face, amputated fingers, uh, PTSD, lung damage. I'm assuming the lung damage is from when you were breathing in and the fire, that's all you took in there? Yes. So physically, it has been extremely tough. 70 surgeries. That is so, yeah. When you can't even remember every surgery, there's no way I remember 70 surgeries. When you, can, when you can't even remember every surgery, that's how you know you've had a lot of surgeries, right, Aunt, right Aaron? <laughs> yeah. For sure. Um, and so here's what we're going to do. We're going to work together with Building Homes for Heroes. And our goal is to repay you, and it'll never actually be repayment for what you gave to this country. And our goal is to just simply build you a house. Build you a house that is easier for you to live in, easier for what you're going through, easier for your family. And so what we're going to do because you told us your story and because you served is we're going to get with our listeners and we're going to say, this is Aaron's story. If you guys would like to help, can you help? And over the past six years, we've been able to do just that. And so we've chosen you this year, uh, United States Marine Corps, Corporal Aaron Mankin, and we really want to hopefully impact your life in a positive way because of how you have impacted ours, if that's okay with you. Oh my God. Uh. Bobby, I thought we were just talking here, man. <laughs> oh, uh, wow. Uh, that's, that's, that's so huge. I can't, uh, wow. Uh, thank you. Let us take it from here. Again, you've done so much. You've been through so much. It is the least that we can do. And we will be in touch very soon, my friend. Wow. So thank you again. And by the way, uh, behind you, I mean, I see Captain America. That's who you are to us, man. That's it. I mean, that's who you are. To, you got a little figurine back there, but but Cor you, corporal you, you're corporal America. You're a corporal freaking America. That's yeah. right. Okay, so we will talk again soon. And again, I'll thank you again a million times. But for now, I'll just say we'll talk to you later. Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much. Wow. All right, thank Aaron. You have have a great day. And until we meet again. Thank you, Bobby. We'll see you soon. All right, thank there you. he is, United States Marine Corps Corporal Aaron Macon, and. What we do right now, if you want to go over to the website, it's up. It's ready for you. Bobbybones.com. It's right there. And that's where you can do the deal. That's where you can get the limited edition Patriotic Pimp and Joy shirt. We have so much up there. We don't keep any of the money. Zero dollars, zero cents goes to us. We don't keep it all. We don't keep any of it. And let's do it. Let's build him a house, a house that he can move freely in a house where he doesn't have to worry about restrictions of anything because of all the surgeries that he's been through. 70 surgeries. I don't have 70 friends. Yeah. Yeah, I true. mean, and he's been through 70 surgeries. Wow. Yeah, and his kids too, just creating a space for them to all live yeah. together with ease. 
bobbybones.com. Up now, the limited edition Patriotic Pimp and Joy line. It is on sale. You will have it by July 4th, by the way. Yes, we, always. We, we will, Lunchbox will walk it to your house if it if it is not. Oh. The, I will. Say yes. USA. Yes, USA. Yes, USA. USA. That's right. <laughs> go now, bobbybones.com. Again, we don't keep any of the money, so let's go. Let's build them. Let's build them a house. United States Marine Corps Corporal Aaron Mankin, we appreciate his time. We'll talk to him again soon. And now it's up to you guys because you can go. We have a limited run today. Friday is going to be the big release, but I'm told you better go quick because we only have like 250 or so we're doing today. I guess I should have said that instead of just said everybody. <laughs> we only have a few today, but the big release is Friday, okay? All right, there you go. Thank you, guys. Uber Eats is going to, they say, unleash 2,000 AI-powered robots across the U.S. that will drop off food orders starting in 2026. I saw one in L.A. It's so legit until these things start killing people. <laughs> Dude, it freaked me out. I thought somebody was following me. I turned around as a robot, and it had food in its little claws. <laughs> Crazy. In its claws. What? Going down the sidewalk. It was crazy. It freaked all of us out. Me and my wife and my son were like, whoa, what is that thing? Where's your picture or video? Yeah, I, I didn't even think about it. Well, you, you video everything and you don't no, video that? I was on social media, you know, uh, detox. detox. But you still record stuff. <laughs> well, I just forgot about it. The story is Uber Eats is throwing out 2,000 of these four-wheel robots in major U.S. cities in 2026. They'll be available in the app. If you select it, the robot brings you your food. And I'm telling you, it's a great idea until all of a sudden, robot not happy. <laughs> <laughs> he beats you up. Yeah. Then shoot. <laughs> but yeah, I'm looking at pictures of them now. And that is bizarre. But in that hotel we were in once in Vegas, the robots brought you the food. But all they just went to the elevator, up the elevator to your the room. room. That's still bizarre. Yeah. yeah. It, it, but riding, this is like driving across the city. I'm telling you, seeing one on the, in the, on the street, the sidewalk yeah. is nuts. That's crazy. That's pretty cool, though. <laughs> it was cool. That's pretty cool. All right. Here's Amy's pile of stories. Do you feel like your driver's license or your passport, like, represents you? Like, if you show your fate, you show it at the yeah. airport, they're like, oh, you're the same person. Yeah, because on my driver's license, they let me wear my glasses, which they weren't supposed to. Oh, yeah. Oh, special treatment, huh? Yeah. Celebrity style. Wow. That's cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I'll be honest with you. I liked it. <laughs> I'm going to act like, but my, my passport, I look like a serial killer, for sure. No oh. glasses. I'm like, eh. Because like, they tell you not to smile. Yeah, on they're those, like, right? don't smile, no glasses. Yeah. It looks like I'm like middle east in the bathroom, <laughs> my face. So one yes, one no. Well, there was this one girl that was sharing how she got real done up for her passport photo. And she had on the makeup, the hair, all the things. And then when she went to fly early in the morning, rolled out of bed. That's funny. That ain't you. No makeup. Oh, and that's yeah. Crazy. She got pulled aside by the TSA agent and claiming you're not her. So not I guess the, the move person. would be to do medium. So if you're one way or the other, if you're like going to prom, but you have to get to the airport first, <laughs> that they still know. And also if you just wake up and no makeup. So it's probably just like medium makeup. Don't go full dolly. Have you ever seen mine? No. It's, it's, it's so stupid. I have. I have a full beard. Yeah. I it's, mean, it's it like goes, James Harden. goes it's down like, to the bottom of my neck. If James Harden was from the valley. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Every single time I go to the airport, they do like tr three takes. Uh, -huh. uh Okay, that's you. It's a weird time to take a picture. It's so dumb. Whenever you're doing something with your face or body or hair that isn't common, because you know you're going to get out of it. One time, yeah. Morgan number one dyed her hair blonde for a group picture. Yeah, you bring that up a lot. And I was like, then you got to stay blonde. Like she, it was blonde, blonde. Usually it's brown. So we do our show picture, and then she's blonde, like Barbie blonde. And then like a week later, it's brown again. And then it never. Like, what would you? <laughs> How, how long has she been not on the show and doing your other stuff? 
I don't know, years. Years, yeah. I should probably let go of that, but so, I can't. I can't. I can't let go of it. Well, also, I was just going to point out, that's literally the last time we did a show photo shoot. Yeah, probably. So. We do photo shoots all the time for different things. Pam and Joy stuff, group stuff. Oh, I mean, like, a, that was like a real, like, we were... Yeah, mostly now they made me pay for it myself, and I just give them mine. Oh, that's why we haven't taken one in a while. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> for you guys' crap. I got to pay for my own. All right, what else? For anybody that's dating, it takes 19 minutes for someone to know if they want a second date. And the top things people are looking for... Manners, personality. I gotta tell you, manners not the first thing that's looked for by dudes. That may be the first answer they give. Yeah, but it ain't the first thing. Go ahead. Okay, what is the first thing you look for? Uh, I don't. I, I, I said a, dudes. I have a wife, and she's beautiful, and yeah, she's yeah. the only person I've ever wanted to date <laughs> a second time. Ding. <laughs> <laughs> okay, personality comes in okay. a second. Like, listen, somebody that's friendly, and you can actually talk. Yeah, conversation skills. That's it. I mean, you you, you don't want to go on a second date with somebody just because they're hot. Like, that definitely helps if you're attracted to them. But if you're attracted to them and you sit down and you're like, I, I don't know what to say to you. Like, we don't have anything in common. You're like, no personality. Like, that's got to be first. At, at what point for you, because I assume maybe when Caitlin, since that's the only person you've gone out with, she didn't know you were a radio personality. So she didn't know you were a talker on air. Because, like, the difference, like, you don't really talk that much off air. Yeah, but uh, we had a mutual friend. So right. Her friend from Oklahoma. So she didn't have to figure out the two well, sides of you. Oh, we weren't even trying to date. Yeah. Oh, she just met me as like a person. We didn't date, go out on a date forever, months and months. Okay, but on the first date, are you talkative? Oh, yeah, I'm on, baby. Let's go. Right, but when do, when <laughs> no, you, look, when do you reveal it's that you... It's my best representative. Let's go. <laughs> when do you reveal that you dial it down with the talking? That's a good question. Uh, nah, about a third of the way through the first date. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, hey, you like this? You just shut down. Yeah, this is going to go down. <laughs> the power runs out. Yeah, go ahead. Well, 19 minutes. That's how long you got, and you can figure it out. Kenny Chesney was talking about how he keeps his mental health in check, and there's three things that he's doing. Breath work, heat, so I assume some sort of sweating, sauna situation. Sun, yeah. And then he's... No shoes, no, no shirt, shirt, no problem. problem. In addition to the breath and the heat, he is very much into the ice baths like everybody else. But he says he keeps one right outside his bus every day, pops in, and yeah. it's the like, best thing for him. Uh, ice bath, a little different than a cool plunge, I guess. Ice bath you can get into if your body is inflamed, a lot of inflammation. You can get in the ice bath. We well, used to have, you know, b b athletics, you get in an ice bath. I hated it. Injuries, ice bath, inflammation out. The cool the thing, that's the stupidest thing. It's the stupidest thing. Uh, the cold I, plunge? Yes, it's, oh. it's, so, it's so dumb. Here's why. Okay. First of all, there's nothing scientific about it, really, that tells you that it's doing anything for your body. And trust me, I've done a lot of research on this because I just love to prove people wrong. So I was with Jake Owen. We were away, and he was like, get in the cold plunge. And I'm like, what's the purpose? He goes, it's going to make you feel better. I'm like, why? It'll go, you just accomplish something in the morning. And I'm like, I accomplish plenty all day. I'm good. <laughs> He's like, no, you'll just feel like you're a better person. You'll be like, woo. And so I'm like, okay, fine, whatever. And so... Knocks on my door at like 6.30 in the morning. We got to go in the morning. I'd rather, I'd rather slept in. Why can't we do the cold plunge at noon? Uh, in the morning, though, really get you going. And then it's like, don't you feel good you accomplished that? And I'm like, I, nope. I could accomplish that at 3 p.m. I could have accomplished more sleep for me. And he's like, oh, but it really gets your engine going. And I'm like, that's not scientific. There's no engine. <laughs> so the I had a doctor on my podcast. He's super popular, Dr. Mark Heinen, and he said the top two things if he could recommend to people for longevity and hacking your body is 
Two things he, that, and two things that are very vague: longevity and hacking your body. Okay, no. Well, he's talking. He likes to look at your. Don't con- hack my body, by the way. I want body hacks. Like you have your chronological age, but then also your biological age. Mm-hmm. Like you can change. He's like you can get younger. And the top two things I tell people, obviously, besides you know food and whatnot, is food and whatnot. I'm going with whatnot. <laughs> well, no, these are the two things. Whatnot <laughs> means good. like obviously you you exercise, you yeah. eat certain things. Yeah. But he said heat through sauna and uh, cold plunge. And, and what's the benefit of the cold plunge? Other than saying, I got up in the morning and accomplished a did, plunge. In your research, did it bring up that it stimulates the vagus nerve? You know, not the vagus nerve, not the Reno nerve, not the Sacramento <laughs> nerve. Ooh. None of those cities in the West, none of those nerves were affected. Okay. Yeah. My research was like 10 articles, a couple podcasts. And I'm a doctor too, so... That's a good point. You are. Do you have that doctor on your podcast? Yeah, this doctor on your podcast? I forgot. I'll tell you a lot of stuff about the vagus nerve. He's well known. Yeah. Of letters. You have any letters you want me to tell you about? Letter A? Yeah, come on. Letter E? E. Letter I? I. Uh-huh. That's all I do is vowel sounds. Anyway, go plunge stupid. All right, what is that it? I mean, that's my file. That was Amy's pile of stories. It's time for the good news. With Bobby. Tell me something good. Lucas Smith is five-year-old in Wisconsin. He has turned a community service project into something he does all the time now. He's pledged to craft a handmade birthday card for every kid in his small town that is in central Wisconsin. Now, his mom talks about it, says... Well, he was doing some community service hours, not because he was in trouble, which has happened to, let's be honest, some of our friends, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. but because he just wanted to do something for the town and he was going to get like bonus points at school as well. But he found that by giving back, it made him feel better. And so that's what he does is he does these birthday cards, makes all of them personalized to each kid he gives it to. And he's like, if this is my little way of doing it, then... I'm affecting the world in a positive way. Again, he's only five years old. Wow, it's amazing. He's not playing video games in his free time. That's what my five-year-old do. He's not... I don't know. What else do they do? Uh, nothing, Riding man. Nothing really. Fight, fight with her brothers. Yeah, fight with that's what he's not doing. <laughs> he's thinking about others. And this is the kind of kid that this grow, birthday cards grows into B, then C, then D. This is what changes the world. Five years old. Lucas Smith, if you're listening, buddy, we appreciate that. That's what it's all about. That was Tell Me Something Good. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. 
coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.